who he is, or where he is, that he's coming. It's not so simple anymore. I guess it never was. We ignored it. Now we can't. You Jackie Robinson? I father, I Brooklyn Dodger them. I Jack, I Rob, I sin. Man, I'm Jackie Robinson, set when I run base, I dodge the pen. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform, you give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and we are glad to have you here this weekend uh, in a part of our Life of the Movie series as we're doing uh, number 42, Jackie Robinson. And so I don't think it's called number 42. I think the movie's just called 42. But that's the Arkansas coming out in me. I'm sorry about that, but we'll be good. Um, I want to jump right into this today because this, this movie tells a story that is true. And there's some back parts of it that you may or may not know, but there's also some, some heavy uh, application, not just biblically speaking, uh, but also um, it's, very, it's very appropriate in the times in which we're living today. And so when you look at the story of Jackie Robinson, it is probably one of the most prolific in American athletics history and still plays out to today. The thing about the, the Robinson story that I love is that he overcame such obstacles at a time before the, the civil rights movement of the 60s. This was in 1947. This was years before. And, and, and the way he approached not only life, but the game by not a, retaliating when he was treated with rank injustice and racism. And um, Branch Rickey, who is played by Harrison Ford, who's the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Signed Robinson to the, to the team to break the color barrier in baseball. And he explained some of that in the story. But I just want to put some context into when this is happening. Because sometimes we get to see from the end. We, we get to look back and go, oh yeah, that makes sense that that went this way. But when this story was happening, when Robinson was signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers, when, when Branch Rickey went after him, this is a year before President Truman would order the U.S. military to be desegregated. This is seven years before the Supreme Court ruling rendered its decision on Brown versus the Board of Education. This is eight years before Rosa Parks refused to sit in the back of the bus in Montgomery, Alabama. This is 10 years before President Eisenhower would order the U.S. military to Central High School for 
for students to be able to go to high school to desegregate Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. This is 16 years before Martin Luther King Jr. would stand on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial with the I Have a Dream speech. 17 years before the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and 18 years before the Voting Act of 1965. The impact that Jackie Robinson made on our society and, and just the civil rights movement alone can't be overstated. And here's what I want you to catch. Here's what subtly throughout the film. Robinson was a Christian and his Christian faith was at, the very, was at the very center of his decision to accept Branch Rickey's invitation to play for the all-white Brooklyn Dodgers. Something else that's subtly in the movie but not ever really completely stated is that Branch Rickey himself, cigar-smoking, <laughs> rough-and-tumble business owner of the all-white Brooklyn Dodgers was a Bible-thumping Methodist that attended church every weekend. And both of them together come together to begin probably one of the, the most um, impetus and prolific civil rights story that begins to unfold in the last 100 years. Both of these men are men of faith. There's this theme we're going to unpack in this, in this movie that's beyond race. It's beyond color of skin. It's deeply embedded in what we believe. It's deeply embedded in the teachings of Jesus. See, because Branch, Ricky, was looking for someone who had a deep faith and a proven character. And in their first interaction, Branch was testing Robinson to see if he was the guy for the job. Check this out. Mr. Ricky, what's this about? This is about baseball, Jackie. I see you starting in spring with our affiliate in Montreal. If you make it there, try it down here with the Dodgers, with the white Brooklyn Dodgers. I'll pay you $600 a month and a $3,500 bonus when you sign the contract. That agreeable? Yes, that's fine. There's one condition. I know you can hit behind the runner, that you can read a pitch. One question is, can you control your temper? My temper? Yes, your temper. What are you, deaf? A black man in white baseball. <laughs> can you imagine the reaction? The vitriol? Dodgers check into a hotel, a, a, a decent, good hotel. You're worn out from the road. Some clerk won't give you the pen to sign in with. We got no room for you, boy. Not even down in the coal bin where you belong. Team stops at a restaurant. Waiter won't take your order. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? 
No. No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. People aren't gonna like this. They're gonna do anything to get you to react. Echo a curse with a curse and they'll, they'll hear only yours. Follow a blow with a blow and they'll say the Negro lost his temper, that the Negro does not belong. Your enemy will be out in force and you cannot meet him on his own low ground. We win with hitting, running, fielding, only that. We win if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. Like our savior, you gotta have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you do it? Give me a uniform. Give me a, a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. So Robinson asks, you, you want a player who doesn't have the guts to fat, fight back? And Branch responds, no, I want a player who has the guts not to fight back. The... The character trait that this movie portrays probably better than any other is, is something that we don't talk a whole lot about in our society. It's something that, quite frankly, really isn't celebrated a whole lot in the church. But it's the character trait called meekness. Meekness is a word that's power under control. It's meekness that will lead Robinson to become an American hero, even to those who know him today. See, the Bible talks a lot about meekness. First of all, meekness is not weakness. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is not weakness. In the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 5, he said this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus opens up this greatest sermon ever preached with eight characteristics of a blessed person. And meekness is the third in that list. The Greek word that's used there in Matthew's gospel is prios. And, and it's rooted in a word picture. Most Greek words have a word picture. There's a, a picture that's associated with it. And, and, and it's a picture of a Roman soldier taming and controlling his war horse. It's... It's this powerful beast of war, yet completely under control and submission. See, the meeker you are, the stronger you are. Let me say that again. The meeker someone is, the stronger that they are. It's easy to fly off the handle. It's easy to lose your temper. It's easy to react. But to be in control of your emotions, to be in control of your spirit, to be in control of your person, to be in control when everyone else is not, that's power. See, the world says the people that will inherit this earth are the bold and the audacious and the loud and the obnoxious. 
the, the person that takes no prisoners, the, the person that, that, that pulls no punches, the, the person that's just full throttle. But that's not what Jesus said. The person that's going to inherit the earth is not the power broker. It's not the, the, the influencer. It's, it's, it's not the known entity or personality. No, it's the meek. It's the person that has the ability to crush whatever's in front of them, yet they choose to power down and not power up. When tested, when pushed upon, they power down. They don't power up. The war horse that's powerful enough to be in control. The meeker you are, the stronger you are. The second characteristic, the second thing about this characteristic is that meek people don't seek retaliation, they seek reconciliation. Meek people never seek retaliation, they seek reconciliation. Now this is what's going to be tried. If you watch the movie, you'll see it over and over and over again with Robinson. In the game against the St. Louis Cardinals, Jackie is faced with the decision to seek retaliation or reconciliation. Check this out. They call him country, scorers hitless in four trips. Ty McCasey in his second inning relief. This game is just as tight as a new pair of shoes on a rainy day. Casey goes into his windup. Slaughter hits a hot ground ball right at least and fires it over to Jack at first. Robinson is down. Slaughter spiked him high up on the leg and he is down. Stay off the T-Doc will be right out. Kill. Oh. Next guy up, you hit him right in the head, alright? No, 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 just get him out. Play ball. You're a tough man, Jake. Let's get him out. Jesus talks a lot about this, not seeking retaliation, but rather reconciliation. He says it this way in Matthew's gospel in the same sermon. He goes on in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the evil one. For if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone should sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, says this of Jesus. He's, re- he's speaking of what Jesus would have said. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, Jesus, he did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus is probably one of the greatest examples on the cross, in the trial, the beating, that entire passion of the Christ an example of meekness. He's not a doormat. Oh, no, no, no. He, 
He deals with people. He speaks truth to power. He, he stands in the gap for those who, who, are, who are unjustly. But, but uh, he also has the power, the Bible says, that he can call 10,000 angels to take him off the cross, yet he stays there. Why? It's not about power. It's not about who's in charge. It's about choosing to power down. It's about choosing to surrender. It's about choosing to submit. It's about choosing reconciliation over retaliation every single time. And we, as humans, we're hardwired. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. That's just why he talks about this. You know, Jesus, if we didn't have a problem with this, he would have never would have addressed it. No, no, no. We, we, we you know, I mean, we, we, let's, let's fight back and, and let, let's go and let's do. And, and, but, but, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. Just seek to find reconciliation. Seek to find common ground. Seek to find peace as much as you possibly can. Why? Because the third thing I want to give you today about meekness is that weak people live reactively in the flesh. It's weak people who live reactively in the flesh. This is the reason why following Jesus is so difficult. This is one of the reasons why the world rejects it. Because most other religions in the world will let you kind of do whatever is natural to your state, especially any type of secularistic mindset or mentality. But Christianity, to follow Jesus, to live this characteristic of meekness in your life, it's counterintuitive to how you're hardwired. It has to crush you, not your enemy. Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, verse 16, he says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19, but now the works of the flesh are evident. This is this whole weak people live reactively. They just live in the flesh. Look at it. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things of the, the things uh, of these things I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Weak people let life happen to them. They just react in those moments. They just simply react in that. And when you stop and you think about it, when you get yourself in trouble, spiritually speaking, when you sin, when you do, you're, you're, you're kind of walking in the flesh. You're not kind of, you are, and, and not in the spirit. Why? Because it's easier to, to, because again, it's just reactive. I'm just reacting to life. I'm just responding to life. It's what we, it's what we, we, we've seen this happen in the last year and a half. We, we see this happen periodically in society and it's not going away but because there's this mindset that just says we don't, we don't value meekness. We don't value power under control. We don't, we don't value, we, we, we don't value walking in the spirit as Paul would say. We value walking in the flesh and the flesh in and of itself is reactive. If it feels good, do it. Whatever is truth for me is my truth and your truth may be different. But the problem is that two truths cannot exist because one is true and one is false. And there is this, there is this war, there is this conflict that happens. 
So what do meek people do? Number four, meek people live proactively in the spirit. I'm going to show you this in this clip in just a moment. Meek people live proactively in the spirit. And this is what this movie portrays a lot, is the proactiveness, the proactive mindset, not a reactive. It's opposite. It's what you have to do in order to do this. See, Branch Rickey saw injustice and proactively did something about it. He maintained a position of humility, but he was intentional about leaving his mark on the world. Check this out. You know what I saw this morning? I was passing a sandlot. Little white boy was up at bat. You know what he was doing? Sitting on a fastball? He was pretending he was you. Rubbing dirt on his hands. Swinging with his arms outstretched like you do. Little white boy. Pretending he is a black man. Why'd you do this, Mr. Ricky? We had a victory over fascism in Germany. It's time. Time we had a victory over racism at home. No. Why? Why'd you do it? Come on, tell me. I love this game. I love baseball. Give my whole life to it. Forty odd years ago, I was a player coach at Ohio Wesleyan University. We had a Negro catcher, best hitter on the team. Charlie Thomas, fine young man. Saw him laid low, broken, because of the color of his skin, and I didn't do enough to help. Told myself I did, but I didn't. There was something unfair at the heart of the game I loved, and I ignored it. But a time came when I could no longer do that. Galatians 5, and 24 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, Meek people live life with purpose and on purpose. It's, there's an intentionality behind it. I, I'm not going to let you get me off my game. I'm not going to let you push your agenda onto me. I'm not going to let you make me react. I'm going to respond to one, the audience of one, that's Jesus. And everything else, I'm just going to, to, to live for that and just trust God with the results. Just trust God. And every time I begin to react, every time I begin to become reactive and not proactive, it's when I try to think I've got to handle things. I, I've got to manage this. I've got to do something. I've got to say something. Instead of just going, okay, God, you open the doors. 
You put the words in my mouth. You give me the strength. You speak to my heart and I'll do what you tell me to do. Not, not me trying to respond, not me reacting, but me in essence, just submitting myself to you. Eric Metaxas, uh, he's a New York Times bestselling author, wrote a book called Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness. Metaxas says this about Robinson. He said, the heart of Jackie Robinson's story is that he changed America by successfully living out both on and off the baseball field, the revolutionary and the world-changing words of Jesus. When you think about who Jesus was and you think about what he lived for and you think about the fact that he didn't allow someone else's agenda to change his. He didn't allow someone else's response to change his. He didn't, he didn't live reactively in society, and he could have. He lived proactively. I love John's gospel because John gives us an insight about how Jesus lived every day. Jesus, John will record the words where Jesus says, I simply do what I see the Father doing. And we see this rhythm in Jesus' life. He gets alone early in the morning and gets away from everyone. And he gets alone with God. He has his quiet time, his devo time, whatever you want to call that. He does his soap, his scripture, observation, application, prayer. I mean, he was scripture, right? So John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was a word and the word was God and the word was with God and he dwelt with God. And but, but he gets that Devo time with the Lord. He gets that one-on-one time. He has that time, that communion, that interaction with the Lord. And it's in that time that he kind of gets his marching orders. And I've often said, I wish God would just send me a text message and tell me what to do or send me an email. I'd be happy to do it, right? It's just kind of hard getting that communication. Haven't quite, find God, haven't quite found God's cell phone number or his email address yet. But the truth is, is that when I quiet myself regularly and I get alone with the one who made me and this entire world, the one who created the person right now that I'm an obstacle, that, I'm, that I am an opposition of, the obstacle that's facing me, whatever may be happening. And in that moment, I just say, God, I surrender myself to you today. God, your kingdom come, your will be done this day on this earth as it is in heaven. Give me what I need today. Forgive me of all of my sins. Lead me not to temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from reacting today. It's in those moments that there's a supernatural transmission from the Lord into my very own heart and spirit. Because again, I'm more than just mind. I'm more than just body. I'm more than just emotion. I'm spirit. So are you. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit the one that leads us into all truth, the one that always points to Jesus, the one that comforts us in those those times when we mourn and that convicts us in those times when we get reactive, begins to download into my heart, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I'll just listen. And then I can be like Jesus and I can do what I see the Father doing. I can be in lockstep with what he wants to do. When I wanna take control, when I wanna want to rise up, when I wanna make it happen, And again, my type A kicks in all the time. Even in good things, it always crashes and burns. It's funny, and and the way I'm hardwired is I am a kind of make-it-happen person. I don't like excuses. I I, I really tire of what I don't really just, I I don't care that there's no rain clouds. I need rainmakers. You figure out how to make it rain. 
It's just kind of how I'm hardwired. The problem is, is that meekness is not one of those characteristics that comes really natural to me. And more times than not, my mouth has written checks that I can't cash. And my attitude has gotten way out in front of me. Only for me to have to ask the Lord to forgive me. And then go to whomever I've offended and ask them to forgive me. Because I reacted instead of being proactive. I led by the flesh and not by the spirit. You have the same choice that I do. Every day you're in traffic, every day that you're dealing with something, every time you're trying to make something happen, every time that you're trying to deal on those rough days, on those good days, when someone's just mean, whatever it is that's going on in your world. And maybe it's a big deal like racial injustice. Us warring with each other doesn't change anything. It just creates the warring. The truth of the matter is, is that we should live in such a way that makes racial injustice or any kind of injustice a mute issue. Where I'm not reacting to you. You're not reacting to me. We're proactively walking in the spirit. We're, 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 we're squelching the flesh and we're doing what God wants us to do and living in the love and the grace that Jesus Christ has given all of us. So today, I don't have a fancy ending to the sermon. I don't have a fancy story. I just have a challenge to you. And I have a question. Are you living proactively in your life as a Christ follower or are you living reactively? A spiritual way to say it, are you living in the flesh or are you living in the spirit? Are you trying to make things happen on your own? Or are you trying to power down and be that war horse that has the power to crush whatever's in front of them, but chooses to power down instead and walk in meekness? How are you doing with that? And I'm telling you, outside of Jesus, I don't know how you do that. So maybe you're far away from God and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You go, man, I would love to live that kind of a life. I just don't know how to. The, the good news is you can't outside of yourself. It's only Jesus. So today you can just make a decision to say, you know what? Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I give you my life. I don't want to try to live this way. I want to walk in the meekness that I see in Scripture and that we've talked about today. It's real simple. So I want to pray for you. And I just want, to add, I just want you to ponder that as you, not just what you do today, but as you live life this week, as you go about your business, as you go to school, as you go to the office, as you deal with people today, as you deal with people tomorrow and Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning, as you're traveling here and there, you're dealing with traffic, you're dealing with whatever, good days and bad days. Am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? Am I living reactively or am I living proactively? What am I choosing? Am I operating in meekness or am I trying to do a power grab in this moment? Father, I just thank you today for your word. And I thank you today, Lord, for examples. I know this movie is just a movie, it's a story, but yet it's another account of what you can do in and through us if we'll just surrender ourselves. 
And I pray, God, help us today to walk in meekness. This is what's going to change our world. This is what's going to change the hostility in the environment around us. It's, it's not fighting. It's choosing to power down, not power up. Not try to overpower the other person. Not try to be louder or bigger, or, but rather to just surrender. We're not even surrendering to them. We're surrendering to you. And we're not surrendering ourselves to anyone else, but to you. And choosing to do it your way and not our way. Choosing to allow you to work things out instead of us trying to make things happen. Choosing that your wisdom and your words and your leading is greater than us. And anything we could do or think or imagine. Help us today. Let us be challenged today to live this out in Jesus' name. Amen.